I'm really glad that uh, so many of you that came out tonight, I, I really honestly, if there was ever a teaching uh, that really should require every individual that calls this place home to be at, it would be this teaching, okay? Um, just try, try to settle into your heart the significance right now of understanding the healing principles of God as they're presented to us in the Word, okay? A couple of major things I just want to just get set in stone right now, and that's it. We are people of the word. Okay, it's one thing to, almost every Christian would say that, but what I'm saying is this. From the day that I received Christ, I have always been in an environment, no matter what church I've been in, and I haven't been many, but the churches I was in, thank God, the Lord always put us in a church where the word of God was first and foremost. It wasn't a type of scenario where, well, I know what God says, but. No, 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 there's no but. You get your butt out of the way. Okay? It's what God says. And I don't mean that in a legalistic sense. I mean that in a covenant sense. This scripture is that we have, your Bible that you have, whether you have it as a phone app or on your, on your, if it's on your lap right now, in book form, that is a covenant from God. A covenant cannot be broken without spiritual consequences. It is not a contract. They're just not merely words. It is God saying, I swear by myself because there's none greater that what I say to you in this book, I mean, and what I say that I will bring to pass, I will bring to pass. When you mix what you know with faith, it triggers something. Okay, and that's important for you to know. You need to understand and know this. Because where we're coming from uh, in this teaching, and it's probably going to be for the next few weeks, because this is an important topic. Where we're coming from is not about life experience. It's about the word. Many years ago, was, uh, we were at lunch today with, with a, a, couple, a couple that we were just getting to get reacquainted with and getting to know. And uh, there was, we were talking a lot about how things used to be back in, in the, you know, how the, everybody says the day. I don't know what day that is, but it's a certain day. <laughs> Okay, and uh, when we first started the youth ministry here, and this used to be the only reason we were in this building originally was for our youth ministry. That time, this entire side of the building here from front to back was dedicated to the teenagers. At that time, there was a very, very strong move uh, of God amongst teenagers, and we would see on a Tuesday night, 80, 90 teenagers. On a Friday night, 100, 125. We ran the program two days a week. And there were individuals, and, and, and I'm saying all this to come to a point here. There were individuals that said, uh, other churches, that, and one in particular that, that doesn't exist and didn't exist for years now, said in the pulpit, told, the pastor told their the parents, do not send your kids to that 180 place because they're teaching blasphemy. They're teaching error. And the thing that we were teaching was healing. We're teaching, and so I communicated with this guy like, to paraphrase it, like, what's your problem? Well, we don't believe in what you believe in. We don't believe in your doctrine because my grandmother got sick and God didn't heal her and she died. Oh, so we're supposed to change the Bible because your grandmother didn't get healed and she died. Well, what if she was 105 years old and she desired to go home to be with the Lord? What I'm saying is this. You do not base your, 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 you're not going to, you cannot base your view, your stance, your position on what the Bible says about healing based on personal experience. Your personal experiences could be all over the place. Now, some of you, we've all had individual life that we've thought about. Well, uh, so-and-so was an awesome church. They were always in church. They were always there. They tithed, they served, they taught in the children's church, and yet they died when they got sick. Okay, but you don't have all the factors. You don't know. You don't know what that person, you, know, you don't know, maybe deep down inside, they just did not believe that it was God's will. There's a lot of people that believe that it's God's will for God to heal Joe Corelli, but I don't know if God's going to heal me. So we're going to take care of a lot of these things. You cannot base your viewpoint on what the word of God says based on your experience. Are you listening to me? Now, you may be saying this yes now, but when you're in it, that's when it counts what you're doing. So Honestly, I'm really, I'm begging you for the sake of the fact that right now, almost every person you and I know, the major focal point in their lives right now is health. You go to a place, you go to eat in a restaurant, 
Somebody sneezes next to you. They cough. What do you do? You've got like, you know, could you wrap this up for me? I want to take it home. <laughs> it's on the forefront of everybody's minds. Let's face it. The two major things that people deal with on earth are finances and health or health and finances. That's it. Those are the two areas that cause us the most grief that keep, up, keep, keep people up at night. I got it. Are you listening to me? So I'm begging you, please, when you come back next Wednesday, and you're going to, because when you see the material we got tonight, and this is just the beginning, the introduction, you're going to want to bring somebody with you. And listen to me. Those of you that are young people, bring somebody else young. Why? Because there's a mentality amongst you guys. Well, I don't need this yet. That's why most of us in this room right now are on the other edge of the spectrum, okay? Because we know what it's like to wake up in the morning, uh, 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 go to the doctor, oh, I see this. You know, you love when he goes like this? Okay? So, so I, I want our flock, our congregation, our sheep to be healthy, fat, little... Spiritually speaking, spiritually speaking. That's not why we had the cookies out on Wednesday night. But you understand my point? So please, I'm begging you. Because at some point in life, I don't care who you are, you're going to be presented with a challenge. And that challenge doesn't have to take you out. Are you listening to it? It doesn't have to take you out. And, and the whole thing is this. If you put this stuff in you now when you don't need it, when you do need it, it's going to be there. I can't stress that enough. Again, I've used this illustration, I think, over this past weekend. You don't wait until the burglar is busting down your door to call the alarm company to put an alarm system in. You don't wait to put a deadbolt on your door until, somebody, until they invade your house. Okay? You do these things in advance to prevent those. Yes or no? Yes. Well, that's what we're doing. Okay? Uh, I, yesterday morning, I, I was like, was it yesterday? What's today? Wednesday? Yeah. Monday. Monday, because, you know, Sunday night, Sunday afternoon, I, I try to relax a little bit, rest, recover from the weekend. And then about 6 o'clock Sunday night, I start going, okay, what am I going to teach Wednesday night? So Monday morning, I just went, okay, Holy Spirit, wh what do you want me to do here? What direction do you want me to go? And it was like instantaneous healing, healing. How many of you know right now, how many of you in this room right now know e either you're going through something health-wise or you know someone close to you that's going through health issues? I don't know that there'd be anybody else. You, know, you, either, with, you either know someone or, or you yourself. It's just the way it is. Okay? Now, it's the way it is because we're living on a, on a planet that's still under the curse. When I say that's the way it is, it does not mean that that's the way God wants it to be. But how many of you know, and this one's going to rock some people, God's will doesn't always come to pass on the earth. It does not. Because it's depend, dependent upon our cooperation. When the people of God cooperate with God, then God's will is done on the earth. Amen? Amen? Yes. So, so we're going to learn some things. Um, I'm going to start out with some basic stuff tonight. Next week, we'll probably get into more. Let's see how much we finish here. Next week, we'll probably get into more, if not next week, maybe the week after, of what part you and I play in bringing healing. Okay? Because I'm telling you, with the way things are going in our society, healing is going to be the major evangelism thrust. It's going to be healing. Because you're going to talk to people and say, well, I don't, really, I, don't know, I don't really want to know much about that religious stuff. Uh, oh, oh, really? Well, you're laying in a hospital bed. Can I pray for you? And when you pray for them and they get healed, guess what? They're going to become a lot more interested in God than they were before. Are you, are you getting this? All right, good. So let's go. All right, in Jesus' day, the most common evidence that he was the Messiah was the fact that he healed everyone who came to him. I was having a conversation with, with somebody who had kind of a religious attitude. You know what I mean when I say religious attitude? Uh, not a good one, okay? And uh, the person said, I'll never forget this because this individual's son was ill, was suffering with a chronic situation. Well, you know, Jesus didn't heal everybody. I said, uh, clarifying that statement, Jesus healed everybody that came to him. Okay, you, you listen to what I just said? Jesus healed everybody that came to him. Of course he didn't heal everybody because not everybody came to him. But the ones that came to him in faith, he, and some of them didn't even have to have faith because they didn't even know who he was when he healed them. 
But everyone that came to Jesus to receive healing, received healing. Settle that in your heart. Okay? Don't ever entertain any thoughts otherwise. We'll get into it. All right? So in his day, you see Jesus, a very good part. In fact, one-third of his ministry is the ministry of healing. Now, honestly, I, if it was my, don't do that because that's catchy. (laughs) You're going to start making me do that. (laughs) One third of Jesus's ministry is healing. We'll see it. I'll show you the scriptures. Okay. I'm not throwing anything out at you that is not in the word of God. But today, healing is treated as a separate subject. Some denominations never teach on healing because they they have already kind of put their foot in their mouth for 100 years teaching that, well, God doesn't do that anymore. Who said? Who said God doesn't do that anymore? There's major denominations. Their entire foundational doctrine is God will save you, but you don't expect him to heal you. Sometimes he does. Sometimes, you know, because you know how moody he is. Sometimes he does. Sometimes he doesn't. You can't, if you've been raised in that kind of denomination, that kind of garbage, erase it. It's not true. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so is the word of God. Okay? But watch this now. Watch this now. The people of Jesus' time were looking to see who this person was that was going to bring healing to God's people. Watch this now. Isaiah 35 is known as a messianic prophecy. What does that mean? It means that it's a prophecy that specifically details some of the things to look for in this person who claims to be the Messiah. Okay? Listen to Isaiah 35. Now, watch this now. If we were to go to our, to, to our next-door neighbors in Lakewood and say to them, what is Isaiah 35 about? Oh, Isaiah 35 tells us when the Messiah will come, what to look for. So to this day, what to look for. Watch this now. Isaiah 35, I'm going to start in verse 3. Strengthen the weak hands and make firm the feeble knees. Does that involve healing? Yeah. Say to those who are fearfully hearted, be strong and do not fear. We used to sing this song years ago. I wish I could sing. I would sing it for you, but I can't. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, with recompense, With the recompense of God, in other words, the payment from God, okay, he will come and save you. What did Jesus come and do? Save Save us. Okay, look at verse 5. Then the eyes of the blind shall be opened, and the ears of the deaf shall be unstopped. Then the lame shall leap like a deer, and the tongue of the dumb sing. For waters shall burst forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. In other words, in a place where you've been dry, in a place where you've been parched, in a place where you've not been refreshed, you're going to get refreshed. Blind eyes are going to be be opened. Deaf ears are going to be opened. Those that were mutes will speak. Those that are paralyzed will jump and dance. What did you see in Jesus's ministry? Blind eyes open, deaf ears open, mutes sing, speak, shout, Lame, jump, walk, dance. Lepers were cleansed. Now, I don't know if it's in my notes for tonight. I don't remember if it is, if I got that far. But Mark chapter, Mark chapter 1 starts out. Go read it for yourself. I don't have time to go there now. You read the first chapter of Mark, and you see this word continuously. And they were astonished. And they were astonished. And they were astonished. And they were astonished. They were astonished at what? Lepers being healed. Cripples walking. Are you listening to what I'm saying? It astonished them. And so what did Jesus say to the lepers when they were cleansed? Go back to the temple and show them what the Lord has done for you. Go and and make the offering that Moses required when a leper was cleansed. Why? To show the rabbis who were waiting for the fulfillment of Isaiah 35 to say, in other words, Jesus is saying, tell them I'm here. What was it? What did, was it involving his preaching? Was it involving his teaching? What was it involving? Healing. Healing. He said, go back to the rabbis, go to the priest and tell them, make the offering, whether it's a turtle dove or whatever it was, I don't remember according to Leviticus, but he said, go make that offering. 
Why? Because when they went to the priests and they knew that these people were lepers, and they said, well, how, did you, how were you cleansed? Well, this man. They would know, what? He's here? Yeah. When the blind eyes are open, go tell the priests. Why? So they'll know Isaiah 35 is being fulfilled. Are you listening? Why am I saying this? Healing is the major part of the gospel. You cannot scripturally separate healing from salvation. Because the truth is, okay, uh, there's so much I want to share. Just, just bear with me, all right? The truth is the Greek word for salvation, soteria, means salvation, spirit, soul, and body. It covers every area of life. It's not just salvation so you don't go to hell. It's salvation of your mind, your soul being realigned with the word of God. It's the salvation and the redemption of our physical bodies. Okay, now the final complete redemption once and for all will take place when either you step into into eternity or Jesus comes to get the church. And in that instant, we're changed. Our bodies are changed. We we end up having a spiritual body just like Jesus had when he came back, when he rose from the dead, he presented himself to the disciples. He didn't have the same body he had when they pulled off the cross. Okay, he's got the wounds. But it, it has a different quality. He said, touch, feel. For a spirit doesn't have flesh and bone. You notice he didn't say anything about blood because the blood's on the altar in heaven. Okay? He said, touch and feel. But you notice something? He could go in and out. He could appear and disappear in an instant. Can you do that? Joe, let me see you try to go through the wall. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? So the time's going to come. We're going to step into this glorified body. But until that time, we have this covenant here on the earth. Okay, you're getting this? Yes. You're sure? Because yes. this is teaching tonight. I don't want to move into the next area if we're not settled here. The main evidence that Jesus Christ was the Messiah was the fact that blind eyes were opening, deaf ears were opening, mutes could speak, the lame and the cripple could walk, the dead are being raised, lepers are being cleansed. Are you listening? It says that he will come and save you. Does anybody know? I know you. I know some of you. What's Jesus' real name? Yeshua. What does the word Yeshua translate? Salvation. His name itself is salvation. You getting this? It's all connected. All right, good. So now is the time that the church needs to know the truth about healing more than ever. Because if we get this deep down in our souls, we will not be in that hope he heals me mode will be in that no according to the word he's already healed me yeah i didn't expect many of you to to grab onto that but by the time we're done in a couple of weeks from now okay i'll say this now i'll say it again i'll keep saying i'll keep teaching until i have while i have breath in my lungs okay if you are waiting for god to heal you in the future just let's make your funeral arrangements because that's not going to happen well, what do you mean? I thought we were here tonight studying about healing. Yes, we're studying about how to receive our healing, not how to get healed. You're going to see that you, when you put your faith in God for healing, you are putting your faith in God for something that already has happened. Just like your salvation, it's all connected the same way. What you're going to see is the way you received salvation, how? By faith. Well, by grace through Faith is the same way you receive healing. You don't receive salvation when you get, you don't say, well, one of these days Jesus is going to go on the cross and die for me. This wire is all over the place here. One of these days, you don't say in the future, well, someday Jesus is going to die on the cross for me and then I'll be saved. No, that's you would laugh at a person who would say something like that. But that's the same thing you're saying when you say, well, I know someday I'm going to get, me, get healed. No, because it all happened on the cross at the same time. And by his stripes, Isaiah 53 says we are healed, 1 Peter 22, 24, because he was there. He said, and by his wounds, we are healed or were healed. Past tense. Peter understood this. If we're going to receive anything, it's going to be because we put our faith in what happened at the cross. You getting this? Okay, it's not a, not a cliche. We go, I know I'm healed. I know I'm healed. Now, okay, what is that based on? 
Is that based on just uh, deep down inside you? Well, I hope so. I hope so. Maybe if I say it enough times. No, no, no. That was a big mistake years ago that was taught to the body of Christ. Okay? The, the, the uh, principle of confessing the word. Okay? Now, how many of you grew up in a Catholic church? So when I said the word confession, what did you think of? You're going to talk about your sins, right? Going in there making something up because you don't really want to tell the priest what you did. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, I can't really tell him what happened. Yeah, uh, Father, you know, I was sitting, you know, I was fresh with my mother five times and because you keep a book, you know. Uh, so, so confession, I had to learn when I came into biblical Christianity, I had to learn that the word confession was something very different than what I had been raised to think. That confession was... I broke it up in my head in two words, confess, to say the same. To confess is to say the same. In other words, my speech comes in agreement with what God said. Now, if he said, by Jesus' stripes, I was healed, then for me to say something other than that is I'm not aligning myself with what God has already declared. Just like, you know, some people would say, oh, Pastor, I, I, don't, I don't think I could ever be saved because you don't know how bad I was and what I've done and I did this and I killed that person. And No, you're not lining yourself up because God didn't say that some people would be saved. Well, no, not you because, you know, you did such horrible things you can't be saved. No. Whoever calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's not in degrees, okay? So, so the key to this, I'm going to tell you ahead of time, Remember what I'm saying, because in three weeks from now, I'm going to make sure, uh, I'm going to hope that we're all on receiving your healing is the same as receiving salvation. You put yourself, you align, say that word align. What what does align mean? That you, you put yourself on the same line with, okay, you align yourself with what God has already said. Are you getting this? That, that's Christianity in a nutshell. When you and I align ourselves with what God has already said, and when we say what he said, he'll do what he said. You got it? When we say what he said, he'll do what he says. You got, are you getting this? You getting this? All right, good. Can I, can I move on? Now watch this now. Third John is only one chapter. Verse 2. Now, mind you now, just keep this up there, please. Mind you now, this scripture is revealing the heart of God. John the apostle is writing down what the Holy Spirit is revealing to him. So it's like, take it as God Almighty is speaking through John the apostle and writing down this scripture. Look what it says. Now, remember, in your heart, receive this as if it's coming from the Father in heaven. Beloved, I pray, some translations say, I wish or I desire, that you may prosper in how many things? In all things. Say the rest of it with me. And be in health just as your soul prospers. Listen to me. Let me come down here because maybe I can make a little bit more emphasis. Okay, listen to me. This is what we're doing tonight. Your soul has to prosper in order for you to prosper in all things and in order for you to be in health. Your soul, your spirit, you're not here tonight to cause your spirit to prosper. Your spirit has already been perfected. According to the book of Hebrews in two different places, it tells your spirit was perfected in Christ when you said, Jesus, be my Lord, be my Savior. Okay, listen, this is meat tonight. This is prime rib. This is filet mignon. This isn't cheese and crackers. God loves me. I'm such a special person. This is meat. Okay, so get your choppers ready. This is meat. But this is stuff that's going to save your life if God forbid a sickness comes on you. You listening to me? You would not be here right now if it wasn't for the teaching that you've received from the word of God. We would have buried you a long time ago. Okay? 
Are, are you listening to this? I can't emphasize this enough because, you, you know, we go through life nonchalant, and then all of a sudden, when you get hit with something at a left field, oh, all of a sudden, now it becomes real. Oh, all of a sudden, now you wish somebody was, was teaching on healing. All of a sudden, now you wish you had Joyce Meyer's, uh, you know, healing script, Brother Hagen's healing scriptures. You're all over YouTube looking for everybody. Okay, and I'm not saying that's not going to help, but dear God, wouldn't it be better if you were armed ahead of time? But now tonight, we're here to have our souls prosper. How does our souls prosper? When we have our minds renewed by the word of God. When we start to remember, in other words, when something happens, when the first thing you think of is the word of God, you know that in that area of life, you've been renewed in your mind. But unfortunately, many times, because people don't take this kind of teaching seriously, it's the last resort, not the first line of defense. Beloved, I pray that you may prosper in all things and be in health just as your soul prospers. Say this with me. My soul soul is going to prosper from this teaching. teaching. As the word of God God is deposited in my soul, my soul prospers. I'm prospering in Jesus' name, in all things. And I'm in health in the name of Jesus. Now watch this now. Verse 3, again, the Apostle John. For I rejoice greatly when brethren came and testified of the truth that is in you, just as you walk in the truth. You and I are obligated to walk in the truth. Who wants to walk in lies? Anybody here tonight want to walk in lies? If Jesus said that the truth will set us free, then why would we not want to walk in the truth? You hear what I'm saying? Now... Let me throw this out ahead of time because I don't know, it just popped up in my heart. We're not teaching this and we're not learning this tonight so that the next time you go to the doctors and he tells you, well, I found this in your blood or this showed up on an x-ray or the MRI shows this so that you can get nasty with the doctor. Well, no, I don't receive that in the name of Jesus. Uh, you don't know what you're talking about because uh, my Bible says that's a good way to witness to the doctor. That's a real surefire way to get him to receive Christ. You hear what I'm saying? You, you thank him, but on the inside, you're like, okay, because you're paying this guy. He can only do what he knows. Now, thank God every once in a while we come up with a Christian doctor. Okay, who knows? Okay, let's pray uh, about this situation here. But don't, please, and if you're going to act like that when you go to doctors, don't tell them when you go to church. <laughs> tell them you're a Jehovah Witness or something. So I want you to understand this. Okay, go back, go back. I'm not going to go anymore to those scriptures. Go back. Now watch this now. Get this in your heart and get it settled. This is God's desire for you. Well, pastor, doesn't God use sickness to teach me lessons? No, 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 honey. That's the devil. He's not in it to teach you anything. He's in it to draw you away from God. See, you wouldn't have said that if that seed wasn't deposited in you already. Because Jesus made it very plain, okay? Now, you don't see this anymore on Chinese food menus, but you used to years ago, column A, column B. Pick one from column A, pick one from column B. How many remember that? Okay, well, John 10.10 is column A and column B. He said, the thief comes to column A, rob, kill, destroy. Column B, I have come that they may have life and have it, Original language, superabundance. Okay, it's, it's not hard to figure out what, where something is coming from that's coming against your life. If it's coming to rob, kill, and destroy, guess what? Devil. If it's coming to bring life and bring it to you more abundantly, guess what? Jesus. Okay, don't, don't confuse them. Don't, don't get... And so, sometimes, okay, nobody in here would ever do this, but you might know somebody. That somebody who's in pride, and they don't even realize they're in pride, will come up with some stupid philosophy. Well, you don't understand, because there's a special gift on my life. And therefore, because I have such a special gift, uh, I'm prone to more attacks. That's baloney. That's pride. That's all it is. And that's why there's no grace from God, because God resists the proud and gives to the who? 
You getting this? That is a trick from the devil to get you to, well, you know, I know there's something big up ahead, so God's going to walk me through some stuff. Who the heck do you think you are? And Jesus' death on the cross, wasn't enough for you? Are you getting this? Because let me tell you something, okay? This subject, the devil is very insidious in his, in his maneuvers. If he can get you to latch on to some lie, if he can get you to latch on to any kind of a stupid thing that only makes sense to you so that that sickness stays on you, he'll do it. That's why it's so vitally important that you know what the word of God says when it comes to this subject. This is God's desire for all mankind. Not just because we're saved. This is a desire for all mankind. That we would prosper in all things. And be in health. And be in health. And be in health. Just as our soul prospers. So our soul's got to prosper. Amen? Amen. All right. So do you understand and have you come to the realization yet that God is the God of revelations? I'm not talking about the book of Revelations. I'm talking about God is a God of revelation. He reveals himself and has all throughout the history of mankind. From the book of Genesis all the way until the final revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. God all throughout history. Now, now we now are living in a time where the culmination of the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ is about to happen in real life. We're not just reading it from a prophecy for the future, okay? But we can go all the way back to the book of Genesis and realize that God, at certain intervals in human history, has revealed a certain side of himself that the people needed right then and there, okay? Let me give you some... uh... All right. In the book of Genesis, Genesis chapter 1, verse 1, Can you repeat it with me? In the beginning, God... Go ahead, say that word again. Say it again. So what did God reveal himself in the very first sentence? As creator. He reveals himself as creator. Amen? Okay. Now, in just a few chapters, he reveals himself as redeemer, but he doesn't actually come out and say it. He shows it in action. Instead of destroying Adam and Eve, he covers Adam and Eve. And it's symbolic of his love because love covers a multitude of what? Sin. So instead of nuking them, which is what... All right, let's do it. Let's do it. You see, Satan lured Adam and Eve into doing what they did because he thought that God would react and respond to them the same way God responded to him. That just sound like the region of the damned. (laughs) What a perfect timing. (laughs) But you hear what I'm saying? He thought for sure if God threw me out of heaven and struck me down to the earth, then he would do the same to Adam and Eve. So the, the most surprised person in the garden that day was the devil. When God didn't nuke Adam or Eve, he covered them with blood, okay? But now later on, God reveals himself to Abram as the provider. You remember that one on Mount Moriah? He's gonna, he tells Abraham to offer up his son. And he reveals himself as the one who provides because Abraham said, in the mountain of the Lord, the Lord will provide. Jehovah Jireh. And all throughout history, God's revealing himself, Okay. So, so he gets him to the Red Sea. In the book of Exodus, he reveals himself as deliverer, which is the main message of the gospel, of us being delivered out of this darkness, being delivered out of sin, being delivered out of bondage, being delivered from going to hell. Okay? Now watch this now. So he brings him out of Egypt. They cross through the Red Sea. There's so much symbolism here. I could spend a week. He brings them through the Red Sea. He freed them from the slave driver Pharaoh. He freed them. Say that, free. He freed them, and yet only a few days later, he gives his next revelation. 
Exodus chapter 15. So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea and they went out into the wilderness of Shur. And they went, how many days? Three. three days in the wilderness and found no water. So it's three days from them crossing from the Red Sea. The Red Sea, God revealed himself as deliverer. Turn to somebody, say deliverer. deliverer. Okay, because they would have been destroyed by Pharaoh's army, yes? yes. He reveals, so, so salvation takes place at the Red Sea. Yes or no? Three days later, they couldn't find any water. Keep going. Now, when they came to Mara, say Mara, Mara. they could not drink the waters of Mara. And there's a play on words here, for they were bitter. Mara means bitter. Okay? Amara. Okay? Therefore, they came, the name of the place was called Mara. Next verse. So they come out of the, they come out of the Red Sea, got, can't drink that water. They put, three days later, they're looking for water. They come to a place where there's some water, but they can't drink it because it's poisoned. Okay, there's something in it. It's polluted. I don't know how, but it is. And the pe- people complained against Moses saying, what shall we drink? Keep going. So he, Moses, cried out to the Lord and the Lord showed him a tree. Now, a tree is always symbolic of what? The cross. the cross. And when he cast it into the waters, the waters were made sweet. In other words, the waters were healed. You getting this? And they could drink the water. Next verse. There, where? At Mara, at the bitter place, at the place of hardship, at the place of frustration, at the place where seemed all hope is gone because there's no water. It's been three days. You can't go much longer than that without water. God shows up on the scene and reveals himself. How? And there he made a statute and an ordinance for them. And there he tested them. Next verse. And said, this is to those people. If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes. Go ahead. I will put, in proper translation, go look it up in the original language, I will not permit, because God doesn't have disease to put on anybody, okay? I will not permit any of the diseases, diseases on you which I have permitted on the Egyptians. Say this with me nice and loud, one, two, three. For I am the Lord who what? Heals you. Look at this now. My, my point tonight is this. You cannot separate the gospel. You cannot separate salvation from healing. They were saved. They were redeemed. They were translated out of the kingdom of Egypt into the kingdom heading towards the promised land, the kingdom of God. And within three days, he reveals himself to them as who? Healer. As who? Yeah, because if you were sick right now, you wouldn't be saying healer. You'd be saying what? Healer. Jehovah Rapha. You getting this? So at each interval, we now see God in a different light. In other words, every time he reveals himself, it's an upgrade. Are you getting it? It's an upgrade. They didn't know him as healer before. They would say little things here and there. He healed uh, Pharaoh or somebody back in the Old Testament because of, of his stance against Abraham. But you don't hear much of healing up until this point. Why? Because the, the waters were poisoned. He healed the waters. Therefore, when he healed the waters, he was bringing healing to them. So from this point forward, he's not only God the creator, he's not only God the redeemer, he's not only God the deliverer, he is the Lord who And I like the way it says in King James, for I am the Lord that healeth, which sounds like continual action. I am the Lord who healeth thee continuously, continuously, continuously. Isn't that awesome? Just days after they're liberated, God reveals himself as their healer. The healing and salvation always go together. In the gospels, every person that was healed was unsaved. But as soon as they were healed... They put their faith in Christ. Amen. Now, they couldn't be born again yet, but they were, they were saved under the Old Testament because for all practical purposes, the Gospels are really still part of the Old Testament. It's a transition book. It's coming out of the Old Testament. This is a time of transition, so you see a lot of Old Testament stuff. But then when Jesus says, it is finished, bam, that's where the page turns. 
okay? And from that point forward, it's New Testament. So, so the people that, ca- that came to Christ, that came to Jesus and received healing, of course, none of them were born again yet. They couldn't be. Nobody could be born again yet. Why? Jesus hadn't gone to the cross. He hadn't risen from the dead. Okay, so they put their faith in Jesus just like Abraham put his faith in the one that would come to the, in the future. You getting this? Yes. So the wrong sons, people say, well, pastor, do you think an uh, uh, unsaved person, Jesus saved an unsaved person? That's all Jesus healed was unsaved people. Yes or no? Yes. Okay. So, um, and many times you see unsaved people receive their healing faster than a saved person. Why? Because they don't know anybody. Oh, oh, I could be healed? Okay, come on. A Christian? Well, well, where did you find that in the Word? And uh, what, what doctrine are you following? And Oh, stay sick. Who, who needs that? You see what I'm saying? Are you getting this? Because this should be simple stuff here. All right. Okay, so forgiveness of sins and healing work together. So we could say salvation and healing work together. Yes or no? You want some proof? Okay, good. Here we go. So, now, I know some of you know these things, but we want to just kind of solidify this for everybody. Psalm 103, verse 1. I love this one. I got healed from this verse of Scripture. Let's read it together nice and loud. Ready? One, two, three. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, including healing, who forgives all your sin, who heals all your diseases. There's another one, right? Who redeems your life from destruction, who crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. That's the last one, right? Okay. September 8th or 9th of 1992. No, 1990. I get hit with my first kidney stone attack. Anybody, have, anybody ever have the fun time of having a kidney stone attack? It's fun. Yeah, you want to invite all your friends over? I'm dying with pain. The pain was killing me, killing me. It was on a Saturday morning, okay? Uh, my wife had gone to the store for something. I don't remember if it was something for me or whatever because I was in such pain. We were living in Seaside Park at that time, the house that we had there. We had this gigantic, you know the old short houses have those gigantic dining rooms? Okay, old house. House was built like 1910. Okay. So I'm walking, we got this big dining room, antique dining room table in the middle. I'm walking with my hand on the table like this and my hands on the side, praying in tongues, praying in tongues, walking around the table because the pain is excruciating. My little son David was only about, well, that was 1990. He was born in what? 87? That's right, Mark was born in 85, 87. So how old was he? Three, four years old, maybe, something like that. As I'm walking, I'm, as I'm telling you this, it's the truth. I got no reason to lie. As I'm walking around this table with my hand on my, praying in tongues, okay, trying to get my, just trying to get the, the mind of God in this situation, I hear, go read Psalm 103. She had just walked in the door. Without saying a word, I never said a word, my son David comes over to me with my Bible like this. Instantaneous. As soon as I heard on the inside, Psalm 103. I get the Bible, I give it to her. I said, read Psalm 103 now, please. Read Psalm 103. And when it came to where she said, who who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all your diseases, as I'm a witness before God, the pain went from here, down my leg, out my foot, and that was it. It was done. It was done. Okay? Now, now, mind you, now the gifts of the Spirit were in operation there. Okay? The Holy Spirit was the one who was directing. Because I, believe me, with the pain I was in, the last thing on my mind was Psalm, was Psalm 103. Okay? But when I heard that on the inside, it was that direct connection that just, and bam, healing manifested. In Psalm 119, I believe it says, prophesying about Jesus, and he sent his word and heal them all from their destructions. Okay? You cannot underestimate the power of the Word of God when it comes to healing. Okay? Don't underestimate that. The Word of God carries the power of God 
for whatever you need, but especially when it's for healing. Okay, you got this? Um, so, bless the Lord on my soul and forget not all his benefits. Can, can I keep going here? Because we're, okay, time's passing by. Very, can I have a few more minutes? All right, let me make this point, then we'll pick up next week. Uh, Psalm 103, verse 3 says, who forgives all your sin, who heals all your diseases. You see the connection? Forgives sin, heals diseases. Okay. Sickness and disease came into the world, to the world through what? Sin. So that it's only natural that when sin is dealt with, then sickness and disease no longer have the legal right to cling to you. Now, if you don't know that, you, the devil's not going to come and tell you, all right, Tom, I, I, Tom, the devil's not going to come and say, hey, Tom, I can't put sickness on you anymore because you received Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Your sins have been forgiven. He's not going to tell you that. You've got to go find that out for yourself. If anything, he's going to tell you, oh, oh, you got sick because of what you did yesterday. Or you got sick because you acted in whatever, or you said this, or you treated your wife like garbage, or, or you cheated on your income tax. So the devil will come and throw it in your face. Isn't it wonderful the way he operates? He tempts you to do it, and then when you do it, he goes, look at you, what you did. You listening to me? Okay? Your sins have been forgiven. Therefore, the legal implication of that that it triggers in the realm of the spirit is that there's no longer a legal right to put sickness on you. But just like I talked about a couple of weeks ago, every, there's not a community in this nation, no matter how big or how small, that doesn't have a law already in the books that says it's illegal to rob a bank. But banks get robbed every day. Why? Because it's called law-breaking. Until somebody steps up and says, no, in the name of the law, you cannot rob this bank. Banks are going to get robbed. Well, the same thing works in the kingdom of God. Until somebody steps up and goes, excuse me, my sin has been forgiven. Therefore, you no longer have the legal right to put sickness and disease on me. Okay, you take the sickness and disease and get it off of me now in the name of Jesus. You listening? Okay. Um, do you want to see that in action? Do you? Just a few people. The rest of you could be dismissed. Do you want to see this in action? Okay, Mark chapter 2. Let's go. Let me take a drink here. A few days later, you got to read Mark chapter 1 to get what the few days later was. A few days later, when Jesus again entered into Capernaum, which is the town that he settled his ministry in, okay? The people heard that he had come home. Next verse. Let's move quick. They gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he, and he did what? And he preached what? And he preached the word. Go back, go back, go back, because we can't, you can't. The reason why what's going to happen happens is because he preached the word. The word of God is the power of God. When the word of God is released, the power of God is released. Okay? You preach the word, the anointing shows up because the anointing of God rests upon the word. So nobody could get in the house he was. They couldn't even get near there. And what's he doing inside the house? And he preached the word to who? To them. Let's go. Some men came, four of them actually, it says right there, bringing to him a paralyzed man carried by four of them. Four of the friends got together and said, listen, we, we can't leave our buddy like this. He's been paralyzed. We know somebody. We got a guy. Okay. Since they could not get to him, they not get, to, get him to Jesus because of the crowd. You know the story. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus by digging through it. In other words, you're talking about thatch roofs made out of straw, so they, they're tearing this apart. They made a hole big enough to lower this, this person on a pallet, on some type of bedding. They lower him so that he lands right, no, I don't mean they dropped him. They lower him right in front of Jesus, okay? When Jesus saw, oh, this is a teaching right here. When Jesus saw 
Come on, a couple of you got it. Say it again. When Jesus saw, who's faith? Who? Who's they? Who? Who's they? You're going too far with it. Whose faith did he observe? The friend's faith. The, we don't even know if the guy in the pallet had any faith. We know for sure who had the faith? The four men that brought him. Because you don't drag a guy through a city, tunnel through somebody's roof, unless you know this guy's going to get results. He's going to get results. Is this too plain? Okay, watch. And what does he say to him? Son, your sins are forgiven, and all the religious people blow their stack. Okay? Watch this now. Go ahead. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. No, he's the only one in the room that's telling the truth. He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? I would love Jesus go, ta-da. <laughs> Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit what they were, what, that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to this paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk? But I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up and took his mat and walked out in full view of them. Um, they, this amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Now, let's examine this. I know for some of you, you know this, but let's, you know, we, you know uh, you've got to keep renewing your mind. You don't just renew your mind once. You don't learn principles once because life happens, you get drained out of stuff and you got to relearn it again. Now, let's look at how this whole thing took place. Let's look at the mechanics of this. Romans tells us, chapter three, all have sinned and fallen short of God's standard, right? Everyone. So every, the four people, the guy on the mat, everybody in that room, except for Jesus, are all sinners, right? Okay. So they're all infected with sin. They bring this man by an act of faith it's an act of faith that they're bringing this man to Jesus. Now, Jesus is going to use this as a teachable moment. He doesn't want them to just understand that he has power to heal. He wants to teach them the connection between sin and sickness. Are you getting this? And so how does he handle this? He doesn't say, I'll guarantee you that most of the people in that room had seen him heal other people before. You getting this? And so he purposely now is going to flip this. He says to the man, son, your sins are forgiven. Take your mat and go home. They're not getting the connection yet. They're not understanding that what, this, what Jesus just said, what the Messiah just said, was he was breaking, he announced the breaking of the curse from Genesis chapter 3. And what exactly did God promise Adam and Eve? Someday there's one that's going to come that's going to crush his head. He's going to break all of this stuff. Job says, I see him, but not now. He said, I know one day my redeemer is going to stand on the earth. You hear what I'm saying? Yes. They're all looking forward to this moment. And that's what blew all their circuits because nobody had ever come along. Other people could have said, hey, be healed or do this or do that. But nobody had ever said, sons, your sins are forgiven. So he goes, okay, what do you want me to say? You don't like that? I'll say this. Pick up your mat, go home, you're healed. What was he saying? One way or the other, the results are the same. Once sin is broken off of us, we have the legal right to say to sickness and disease, excuse me, you are illegal. You are trespassing. You don't belong in me. I don't belong to you. My sin was carried on the cross 2,000 years ago. Isaiah said that surely, well, no one want to go into that. Well, let's leave that for next. Uh. You want to give me another five minutes? Yes. Now, we're saying that, but the people over there with the children in the room. They're like looking at the watch already going, what's he doing? What's he doing? What's he doing? <laughs> Healing is part of the gospel. It is part of the atonement. Does, does, is anyone familiar with that word? Atonement. 
Okay, what does it mean to atone? Uh, literally, literally, the, the exact definition in the English language is to make amends. But you notice that you and I can't make amends? Somebody else had to come to make amends? Adam tried to make amends. He went and started covering himself with fig leaves. He tried to make amends. It didn't work. The sacrificial system tried to make amends. Throughout the thousands of years, millions of animals died. Blood spilled like crazy. Covered them like a Band-Aid, but it didn't make amends. When Jesus came, he makes amends. So, so watch this now. If Jesus came to free us from sin and sickness and disease came as a result of sin, so when you remove sin, what do you also remove? You catching it? You catching it? So let me ask you this question. Have your sins been forgiven yet? Then it's illegal for sickness and disease. But pastor, I'm still, I'm taking this and I have to take this medicine and I'm putting up with this thing. Yeah, because now we have to contend for it. It's when you stand in faith against the sickness and disease, you were doing the same thing that a policeman does when he stands in the middle of the road because he has a badge on that has authorized him to stand, and he could stand in the middle of the road and say to an 18-wheeler, stop. And that person better stop because if he doesn't, it's not the badge he's going to deal with. It's the pistol he's going to deal with. The enforcement. Well, you and I, when we're standing in that period between the time that we discover the truth of what God says and to the time that we get healed, we are standing and saying, no, 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 you can't win here. This is not legal, okay? I'm not going to go through this in Jesus' name. You're not going to take my life. You're not going to rob my breath. You're not going to rob my sight. You're not going to rob my, heal- my hearing. You're not going to rob my uh, uh, mobility. You No, in the name of Jesus Christ, No. Now, there's times when others can do it for you, just like these four friends were the ones that really got the healing for this guy. Yes or no? It was, it was his four friends. But there's other times when it's just you and God. Don't get discouraged in those times when it's just you and God because you and God are a powerful force. But as long as you don't stand against him and don't fight him and don't question and don't doubt and be with him, align yourself with God as it's his desire for you to walk in healing. Why? You have things to do on this earth. Just like he wants us free from financial pressure so that we can dedicate our energy towards preaching the gospel. He wants us free from sickness and disease, pains, uh, laid up time spent laid up in the hospital, money spent on doctor bills, all this. He doesn't want us preoccupied with that stuff. Why? Because there's people going to hell that you need your energy to go and talk to so they don't go to hell. That's what it comes down to. Paul talks about these temporary, momentary, uh, uh, what's the word he uses? Light afflictions. Light afflictions. Light afflictions. afflictions. Because in in the eyes of eternity, it's a light affliction. It's not going to, it doesn't come to stay. It comes to pass. Are you getting this? Yes. This should be the easiest thing for us as Christians is to receive our healing because it's not something we have to go earn, uh, negotiate, try to make deals with God. Oh, if you save me, I'll go to church every Sunday. No, it's already done. It's a matter of you saying, Lord, I recognize that you have already made provision for this. So I put my faith in the fact that when Jesus went to the cross, not only did he take all my sin upon me, but he took upon himself all of my disease, all my sickness. All right, let me go right to, uh, I'm going to go back and review some of this next week. Are you going to bring anybody next week? That's it? Just, yeah. What kind of person are you? Listen to me. If you know somebody that's sick right now, that's suffering somewhere, how could you come here next Wednesday night and leave them home suffering? And then you claim that you love people? If you know somebody who needs to hear this, go, if you've got to go pick them up, if you've got to buy them a hamburger to get them here. <laughs> Isaiah 53. We'll go back over this again. 
But I want to show this to you. For those of you that don't, are not familiar with this whole teaching, Isaiah 53, verse 3. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Verse 4, here it goes. Watch this now. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, okay? Yet we esteemed him stricken by God. In other words, Isaiah, who had this vision of seeing this man 700 years in the future on the cross, suffering like an animal, he said, but we thought he was smitten by God. In other words, oh, we thought he's being punished for his sins. Okay, look at the next verse. But he was wounded for what? Our transgressions. He was bruised for what? Our iniquities. And the chastisement, you can put the word punishment in there, it means the same thing. The punishment for our peace was upon him. Say it with me nice and loud. And by his stripes, we are healed. Now go back to, go back to verse four. Surely has borne our griefs. Go look this up. I'm not making it up. That word griefs in the original language in Hebrew is sickness. Go read it. I don't know why they translate it this way. That's why it's so important for you to go back to the original language once in a while. And carried our sorrows. Sorrows in Hebrew is pain, physical pain. Surely he has borne our sicknesses and carried our pains, and by his wounds, we're healed. Why? Because he took it all upon himself. Now, let me ask you a question. If Jesus took it all upon himself already in your place, why would you sit there and still take it? Amen. It doesn't make any sense. It's slap in the face to him. Why then would he have to suffer all this if we're still going to suffer and let the devil do this to us? It's, I mean, it's just it's a matter of legal uh, language. Why would God punish Jesus if we're going to still allow ourselves to be punished. Are you catching this? Yes. Did, did, you, did you get anything tonight? Yes. No, be, has this helped you tonight? Yes. Then please, please, please. I'm not saying this because I want to see a packed house. Of course, every preacher loves a packed house. I'm saying this because there are people in your life that need this teaching. There are people in your life that need this teaching. So please, bring them. Next week, next week, I'm not, well, if there is a need for somebody to actually have hands laid on you tonight for, for this, if you're here tonight and you have something going on, sickness, we'll pray for you. But I would rather you wait till next week, get some more in you. Let your soul prosper a little bit more. Okay, get more word in you. And this way your faith, because your faith can only go as far as the word that you have in you. I get a kick sometimes when somebody uh, who, you know, it was very evident, they'll tell you themselves, well, I really don't read the Bible, really, but I believe. How? How can you, what you're saying is you hope. Because faith comes by hearing the word. So for you to say, well, but I believe, I don't read the Bible much, Pastor, but oh, I believe. Well, what do you, how, what, and what? You don't know what you, you there's nothing for you to, there's nothing for your faith to take root in. I don't understand that statement. I'm not trying to be a wise guy here. I'm just trying to, be, trying to raise a level of awareness. When a person says, I believe, in what? What do you, what do you mean? Well, you believe what? Well, I, you know, I just believe that God's good. Yeah, well, even the devil knows God's good. It's not going to do anything good for him. You have to have a foundation for your faith to be anchored in. And it's got to be the word of God. My suggestion to you would be, Get yourself a little note card or do it in your phone. Put it in one of your little apps there. What do you want to call it? Get at least three scriptures as it pertains to healing and learn those three scriptures and learn those three scriptures so that when, when sickness, headache, toothache, whatever it is comes, any kind of pain, some kind of an attack, any kind of sickness, blood disease, you know automatically, bam, right there. Oh, wait a second. No, no, no. Sickness, you can't. No, because Exodus chapter 15 says that he's the Lord who heals me. You can't, no, you can't, you can't come in here. You cannot become a reality in my life. You're, you're trying to become a reality in my life. You can't, no, no, you can't. No, because Psalm 103 says that he forgave all my sins and healed all my diseases. So it's impossible for you to come, because I, I know this truth now. 
Now, Isaiah 53 says that he himself took all my sickness and carried all my pains, and by his wounds, I'm healed. You see what I'm saying? You, you got to do that. You have to, that's your medicine. That's, that's your prescription. And just add from there other scriptures. Now, next week, I'm going to prove to you through the scriptures that Jesus 100% fulfilled Isaiah 53 in his ministry. One, in fact, I'm going to show you that the word of God itself says that Jesus fulfilled Matthew chapter 8. Excuse me, Isaiah 53. It's in Matthew chapter 8. Amen? Amen. Are you going to come back next week? Yes. You promise? Yes. All right. And are you going to come along? No. You're going to bring somebody, right? Yes. All right. Good. All right. If you need prayer for anything, come on up. If not, God bless you. Take this home with you. Don't let the devil rob it out of your heart. Amen? Amen.